0: At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends ten thirty one seventeen. They just want Hayward to go. They double team Hayward. He curls out of it to Mac. Mac drives, floats it to Rudy, who catches and reverse jams. You are locked on Jazz. Your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Your team every day.
0: It's Locked on Jazz. The 7th of December, we're loaded on things, but Jazz win again in similar situation. Tony Parks has a very interesting interview with Rudy Gobert. We'll touch on what he had to say and his brilliant play as of late. What's up with Dante Axum? We should touch on that, plus we'll hear some from Quinn Snyder. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. pow how are you I'm David Locke radio voice of the Utah jazz Jazz NBA Insider this is locked on jazz part of the locked on podcast network your team every day hope you're doing great I'm glad to be with you today. Uh, jazz went again last night over Phoenix very similar manner we'll talk about the the f- kind of the comebacks and the inability to stay uh, in control of 48 minutes of the game and how concerning that is or is not. Uh, we'll dig into that during the broadcast, during today's show. Uh, we'll talk about the consistency of some of the key guys, uh, the free throws from Rudy Gobert and his overall play, and we'll touch on Dante Exum. Plus, I promised you uh, a little while ago that we'll do some stuff with Quinn when he gives really interesting answers. Uh, the pregame show a few days ago before the Denver game, I thought Quinn was uh, interesting. We, I think it was the Denver game. Uh, we talked some numbers and some things of that nature. We actually didn't talk about that upcoming game. Largely because we had no idea who was playing, as seems to be the reoccurring theme with this team right now. And uh, So therefore, uh, I asked him some questions. I thought his interesting answers, and so I'll have that for you uh, on the show. A lot of people have requested more of Quinn. I'll try to continue to do that uh, for you. I hope you're great. Uh, thank you very much. Jazz Warriors Thursday, Jazz Sacramento Saturday, Oklahoma City and Russell Wednesday, and then Dallas next Friday. So tickets are available for any of those at utahjazz.com. Utah Jazz Twitter is giving away front-row tickets to the Jazz and the Warriors, so make sure you check that out. And then holiday ticket packages are all available at utahjazz.com. Today's show is sponsored by two of our friends, mysimplysmarter.com, and Jamalto, uh, the data protection people. So, lots of lots of things to get to. Let's do our pins across the world. You're always willing to send those to me at dlock09 at gmail.com. Tell me a little story about uh, how you became a jazz fan and uh, what it is that, uh, uh, where you are that you're listening from. So, today it comes from Justin Christofferson. He grew up in various parts of Salt Lake he says I was currently finishing my secondary education degree as a student teacher at Logan High School in Cache Valley I were teaching world geography and United States history there are a few times earlier in the school year when I was teaching the enlightenment that I nearly replaced John Locke's name with yours <laughs> as a political science minor wrapping up social studies composite degree. I deeply appreciate your political commentary. Thank you for being real. I enjoy getting an additional dose of politics with my Utah Jazz analysis once in a while. Yeah, most people don't. Uh, regarding my Jazz fandom, I've grown up loving the Utah Jazz. As a Christian kid, I would pray at the end of every day asking for the Jazz to win the next game and that the mailman would stay in Utah. John Stockton was my favorite player growing up. My greatest Jazz memories, including being at the game when Jerry's banner was raised, I cried like a baby and attended the game where Carl was awarded MVP trophy. However, my greatest memory was able to Tend to playoff game as a 10-year-old with my grandfather who was deep in his fight with Parkinson's disease. I screamed my lungs out all game. My grandpa sat back, watched the game, chuckling to himself as his over-enthused grandson – Jeered and cheered obnoxiously beside him. I didn't realize at the time, but ex- my experience with my grandfather would be one of my cherished memories with the Utah Jazz and my grandfather who has since passed on. It's great to be a Jazz fan. I'm stoked to see how far this team's come, and Thank you for all your work, and congratulations on the network. That's Justin Christofferson, and that's a cool story. That's what pins across the world is all about, what it is that made you a Jazz fan, a tie to our community, and how the Jazz have in- are just an embedded part of our wonderful community and where it is that you listen from across the world. Please share yours at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com. All right, let's get to our tip-off story of the day. Another win is great, but the Jazz allow 60 points in the second half of this game. And they up 19, Ron and I went to break, And uh, Tony Parks could probably tell this story. He has a headset on. Here's our commercial break conversations. I don't generally want him to do that because it would um, open up him sharing all commercial break conversations. But I said to Ron, well, if we're ever going to get a dud, this is a good one because I'm exhausted. And... uh, don't have any focus, so it's probably good that we got a dud tonight and we'll just proceed through this and call the easy win and move on. Well, evidently the players thought the same thing or the players were equally as tired at that moment because the Jazz got outscored 30-18 to 18 in the fourth quarter. They took a 23-point lead, actually really a 19-point lead in the fourth quarter, and it got down to zero. Uh, that's not great. Here's the problem with it. The reason last night happened in many ways, and the game was then tied at 103 uh, with th- three minutes left. So the Jazz, you know, led 94-75 when the quarter opened and then got outscored 28-9 uh, to, you know, nine or whatever ridiculous number that is to get tied at 103. I don't think that's quite right, but no, I think that is actually. Um, here's the problem is that it's happened three nights in a row. And the reason it's a problem that's happened three nights in a row is that the first two nights caused the third one. So what the problem here in lies is not closing out the two previous games meant that the team had to use more effort in the first two games than it should have, and so then were more fatigued last night uh, than they should have. Does that make sense? That they, the one created the other. Uh, the inability to close out the Lakers, the inability to close out the Nuggets, meant the guys had to put an extra four or five, six minutes onto the floor, and just more mental fatigue. And then we ended up having it again. So now it becomes somewhat of a reoccurring uh, phenomenon. The other thing that has to you have to be really just quite frank about is that this is where the injuries kick in. Uh, <clears throat> you know. It looked eerily similar to the Miami game where we couldn't defend well. Who was? I mean, I'm not trying to kill guys, but you know, the floor suddenly was where you know we opened that fourth quarter with Dante, Boris, Joe Johnson, Joe Ingles, and Jeff withie Again, I mean, that's <clears throat> that's probably at this point, honestly, that's three guys who, if we're healthy, aren't in the rotation. I'm not sure. I think Shelvin's just so clearly outplayed Dante that I'm not sure. Dante's in the rotation when George is healthy right now. Um, And so, you know, then they get outscored by six, and the game's coming back, and there's a bunch of momentum. So you've got to go to Gordon Hayward and Rudy Gobert at the 9.46 mark. That's not great. Uh, We go to the Lakers game when the Jazz start the fourth quarter. Uh, The Lakers started that, went on an 8-2 run. Late in the third, Shelvin Mack, Joe Johnson, Trey Lyles, Rodney and Boris, that's not a bad lineup. That lineup should do a little bit better. The lineup that then struggles to open the fourth is Joe Ingles, Trey Lyles, Dante Exum. Uh, Rudy actually was in, in that. Uh, and Gordon opened the fourth as they kind of went for a knockout punch. And it didn't happen. They got outscored by eight there. And so now all of a sudden, you know, Rudy Gobert plays a 12-minute fourth quarter. Rudy only sat last night in the in the – Night before, this is what makes Rudy's performance last night. Rudy only sat three minutes and seven seconds of the of the second half in L.A. Gordon Hayward goes out, has to come back in the ball game uh, to close, you know, to close that thing out. And suddenly, you know, instead of getting to sit the final five seventeen against L.A., is doing the same thing. So that's where the problem lies: is when you don't close out one of these games, you end up with the same. You know, the Jazz go on the 16-2 to run to blow out Denver, and you think that they probably have the game, and then they kind of blink a little bit, and frankly, in Denver, it was most of the main guys um, on the floor, and, and Denver kind of rallies back, and then you have to close it. Now, frankly, by the time that game was done, they, they did. But this is just the issue. Now, I think it has a little bit to do with our, the fact that we're beat up, and so, you know, if George if George Hill is is... Playing and Derek Favors is playing if Alex is, etc etc, then what happens? Everyone's got a little less burden and everyone's a little sharper throughout the game. Right now, you're asking everybody to give an extra fifteen percent of themselves to get through the injuries. And when you do that night in and night out, you begin to you begin to fatigue. Um, so it's a compounding effect, and it does legitimately have to do with you know talent we have on the floor or at times maybe lack thereof uh, talent we have on the floor. That that. When we're starting, when we're without both Rodney and, and George, that's your starting backcourt. And I'm not trying to be critical of the guys that are that are playing. Instead, um, I think we're really talented. I've said all year long that the thing I liked most about this Jazz team is I really like 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 on the roster. You know, it's probably though some of those guys are different than I than I had assumed they were going to be. But I talked a lot about how much I liked Shelvin Mack and Joe Ingles and Howell Netto and Jeff Withey. And that's 11, 12, 13, 14. And those guys have won us a lot of games. Shelvin Mack has won the Jazz arguably five games right now. I mean, if Shelvin Mack gets traded in the off season, which a lot of people thought we were going to do just because we had so many point guards, uh, we've probably we we've lost basketball games. Uh, if you know, So credit to the Jazz to kind of decide to go through the four point guards and hold with it last night. By the way, uh so anyway, uh I think that's that, that that was a different thought for a different time. Um I think that that's um I think that's what's happening there. And and I I don't love it. I I'm not sure if I would say like um you got to, you know, freak out about it. I just think that it's um it's not great because it it's just a fatiguing issue, and then the question is, is it a lack of focus? Is it a fatigue? Or is it just that you're short some guys, and so because you don't have the depth, it's happening. All right, you got it. I don't need to belabor belabor the point anymore uh today's show is brought to you uh, by our friends at my simply smarter i hope you've checked it out or if you haven't if report if like you're in my house and report cards came in yesterday then maybe it's it's time to check it out no truly my simply Smarter was being a little tongue-in-cheek there is a really cool program for all different types of kids um and and student athletes it delivers online personalized exercises that help build a foundation for learning so it helps your kids uh increase their ability to focus process, retain, and analyze uh, information. It's it's an online program uh, from NACD, which was established in 1979, so National Association of Child Development. They've got 37 years of understanding how the brain works and how to improve uh, the brain of every child. It's an online program. You can do it anywhere. Uh, 10 to 20 minutes a session, three sessions a week. So who... You know why would your son or daughter do my simply smarter dad? Why why would you have that person? Well, here's here's probably three scenarios. You've got a kid with some learning challenges. It happens. I'm I'm one of them, frankly, uh, and so. This way, you can really personalize the experience. It's online, which a lot of kids can focus a little better with, and they have this experience without much pain. Ten to twenty minutes, three sessions a week, and then they just improve their functioning skills, and they are able, to, uh, you know, ver- they open with a variety of short, fun activities. They then build intensity, incorporates components, it becomes customized, and it you know improves your executive function. It's cool. Uh, MySimplySmarter.com. Uh, The other one, typical kids—you just think could take a little push that they're not reaching their ultimate potential. Third one is student athletes. You know, can they? Are they doing a good enough job learning on the field? Are they getting the coaches' information from them? It can really improve uh, the athlete uh, as well. So those things are there for you. It's mysimplysmarter.com. If you use the promo code LOCKED, you get twenty percent off. Uh, for life, it's an incredible offer from Laird and the crew. Uh, you can just go to MySimplySmarter.com, or frankly, if you want the individual contact, Laird is available for you. And you can reach Laird at L-A-I-R-D at N-A-C-D.org. L-A-I-R-D at N-A-C-D.org. Obviously, tell me you're part of the Locked On Jazz family. And jump aboard. Uh, I will labor this point to the end of time. But the biggest thing to me right now about the Utah Jazz is the consistency, and that is that there are. We've talked about bell curve a lot on this program. There are two types of players in this league. There's ninety ten players in this league, and there's fifty fifty players in this league. A ninety t- a guy who's averaging sixteen points a game, who's a ninety ten player, has a very small bell curve, and gets you. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 every night. And you as a coach can say, I'm getting this every night. And a 50-50 player is a guy who gives you 24 one night, 8 the next. You, he averages 16, and you lose on the night he gives you 8. Okay? And, and it's nice to get the 24, but the fact is you're a much better team if you have guys that you can pen in and have a realm of where they're going to be. So Gordon Hayward's last eight games are 25, 22, 24, 24, 31, 32, 28, you know, 22, and whatever last night was, 28. I mean, that's, you're you're penning it in. He's got eight straight games of 20 or more. Second longest streak in the NBA right now behind Steph Curry. He's getting you five rebounds, five assists every night. There's a blip where we had zero the other night and another night where we had seven. But really, it's it's remarkable what he's doing. Rudy Gobert is doing the same thing. Rudy Gobert is eight of his last 11 games are a double double, eight straight games with 10 rebounds, 13 of his last 15. 11 games with at least two blocks. You know what you're getting night in and night out from our guys. That, my friends, is what builds a great basketball team. That's what builds a really great basketball team. You know, the other thing it does is teamwork. Rudy Gobert had 11 screen assists last night, Rudy Gobert triple doubled last night. That's really the way we should think about it. A Rudy Gobert triple-double last night. He had 22 points, 11 rebounds, and 11 screen assists. It's pretty terrific. It's how you win games. And four blocks. 22 points, 11 rebounds, and 11 screen assists. Hey, if you're not, I don't know what the difference between a a screen assist is and a pass assist. I think a screen assist might be better. I mean, that's really awesome stuff. Eleven screen assists. This this data has only been kept this year, but I would argue that that might be the uh. First player to be in double figures in screen assists. That's 22 points minimum. Right? It's doing the same thing. So, I think we should be giving all the credit in the world to it. Tony Parks interviewed uh, Rudy Gobert last night. I hope they rerun it on the show today. Um, I I was... Um, I, did, I was so tired after the game. Tony told me this, and then I was like, oh, I'll promise you I'll remember that the next morning. I don't know exactly. But basically, he asked him about the free throws. Uh, last night, Rudy Gobert was 10 of 11 from the field, or from the free throw line. And the comment that was made was basically, um, I stopped deciding they were hard. It's a really interesting comment. I stopped deciding they were hard. Was I basically the summation of of what we have here, and that is took a positive attitude toward shooting free throws. I mean, he works hard on him. He and Alex Jensen work endlessly together. Uh, that relationship is is developed into something nice, and the and he he's now a seventy plus percent free throw shooter. Like, it's – and it's a game changer. I'll do Pac Friday this week, but Pac Friday this week, I'm telling you, Rudy Gobert is going to be a top ten offensive player in the league. It's really – it's dominating kind of performance of what he's putting together right now. Uh, Great stuff there. Uh, Cool video last night on – Gordon Hayward running around with his daughter after the game. Uh, it's just neat to watch him grow up. It's been a real pleasure if you're a Jazz fan to to be a part of this franchise and uh, see him grow up to the person he is uh, today. It's really it's really cool. Uh, let's talk about Dante for a quick second. It's a struggle right now, uh, not unnatural. Um, so let me let's big picture uh, where things are. Uh, with Dante and, and what's going on with him. So, his he is offensively a tremendously better player than he was when he was 19 years old. Okay, that's the first thing. That he's a better player than he was at 19 years old. But, at 19 years old he was starting with no responsibility on a not very good team. So, the setting by which he's playing today is dramatically different he and i think you have to you have to understand that and in turn when he has a minus on the floor for a bunch of games that matters because we're trying to win every game which frankly we weren't really trying to do when he played last time the second one that's happening now is Quinn has gotten into Dante. He's been open about this, that he's got to defend. And he's not staying attached to the guy in the pick and roll. He's not executing game plans perfectly. Um, and what's happening often is so instead of staying connected to the defender, he's playing off, and then when he tries to step up into the defender – into the ball handler after getting back through on the pick and roll or something, then the guy takes a dribble into him, and it's Dante's foul. And it is Dante's foul. I know it doesn't feel like it is, but it is Dante's foul at that point. And so Dante has 10 fouls in the last two games. And he's only played 17, 18 minutes, despite having his best offensive games because of that. And you can see him just struggling trying to figure out the balance here. And that's completely natural. He's 103 games or 100 and whatever games into his NBA career as a guy who's played basketball once out of his last three years. And so that's a struggle for him. And he's got to go through these struggles. And they're all very natural. And these bumps in the road are what happened. And he'll, I think, be fine. But the problem is we're good. We're really good. And so when we're really good and you've got a guy going through the natural progression of a mental struggle of being a young player in the league who comes in as an experienced young player in the league and making these mistakes and costing your team possessions, it's a problem. Not because Dante's a problem, not because Dante's not progressing, not because Dante's not getting better, but because we're good. We're really good. We got a chance to be great. Not warrior great, but great. There's a chance still that if this team's right, it challenges the Clippers and Spurs. Okay? And so it's hard to play that guy. Or it's hard to live through 25 minutes of those mistakes. That's just the unfortunate reality to what it is to have to be good. And how do you weigh that? You know, you you look over at the Spurs and they're able to kind of sneak these guys in, right? Last night they played uh, Lap, rap, I can't pronounce it, Nicholas Laprovitia or something as their Argentinian twenty six. Now he's twenty six, right? So he's played pro ball for seven. They were he was minus fifteen in the twenty one minutes he was on the floor last night. Like that's the reality that happens with young kids. They don't know how to play yet. And so Dante's learning, and Dante's missing, and he opened up the floodgates to Goran Dragic the other night, and last night he overplayed and allowed one-on-one blow-bys on three. He just is not comfortable yet. It's just part of the process. I do wonder, I'll throw this out there, it's probably, oh my gosh. So when George Hill is healthy and right, and Shelvin Mack is the backup point guard, and Howell Meadow is good, is there any reason why you don't send Dante to the D-League to let him just play for two weeks? 40 minutes a night, 45 minutes a night, learn how to play while tired, which is still an issue for him, and just play. I, I think there might be some value to that. Um, so, we'll see. Uh, today 's show, as I mentioned, is also brought to you by Jamalto. This is a neat company. I, I mentioned this earlier this week that i 've learned a lot about this so you know we 've all heard about data protection and, and breaches and uh, what 's taking place and, and i 've learned a lot about the data world uh, so the primary thing i 've learned is that everyone has spent their money over the years on trying to prevent the breach from happening. Uh, the reality, if you look at any numbers and any data, is that the breach is going to happen you network breach protection on the perimeter is a failure uh, i can give you the data just check just trust me so what Jamalto and local uh guy dan spence does with Jamalto. gemalto is a national company that has major major clients and dan is the local regional sales manager out of salt lake city is Jamalto goes and protects you from the breach they protect the breach when it happens Uh, so how do you do this you encrypt your data and your intellectual property and applications databases file servers mainframe and you centralize that all with a good key management so well what do those words mean in other words all right you're going to get in because that's a waste of money but once you're in we're not going to let you get to anything that matters we can narrow focus in that manner and do it in a three part process encrypt the data and the intellectual properties i just mentioned data encryption then they call it crypto management. So that's securing and manage the crypto keys. That's separating your encryption keys from your data. And then the third part of it is, well, who gets – someone's got to get access to that data. You've got to make sure it's not the bad guys. So you control the access. You protect the identities, authentic. And you work to ensure the right person has access to the data at the right time. And then also, really, on the simple things of things, you make sure that you have um, – if something just naturally goes wrong cell phone stolen da, da 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 you have mechanisms by which people get changed jobs you have mechanisms in there uh, in which to take care of it so that um, is that might is really the best way that i can tell you to to watch these to look at this kind of data protection and Jamalto is got the answer for you to that so call Dan Spence at 801-540-3024 that's 801-540 3024. Dan Spence is the regional sales manager. You can also reach him at dan.spence at jamaldo.com. 801 540-3024. So I have mentioned that I will. This show's gotten long, but I will at times let you hear things from the coaches show of Quinn Snyder, which I think are good. A lot of our focus is on that specific game, and so then it's really meaningless by this time. But the other day I decided not to do a game show. This so before he got sick. So here is that conversation I had uh, with Quinn about some statistical numbers that they're doing well, and let you hear what Quinn had to say, because I thought some was really very interesting about their strategy, their philosophy, what they're doing uh, as a team uh, and have that for you. Uh, this is the From the Coaches Show. Uh, so hope you enjoy that. This has been Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Here's Quinn Snyder. Coach, today I'd like to give you a statistic. Or I'm going to give you a few and ask you why it's happening and how important it is to you. So you're the number one team defensively defending the restricted area. How come and how important?
1: Well, I think it's a couple things. Um, you know, first and foremost, it's it's Rudy um, and his rim protection. But that's also Jeff Withy. Um, we've done a good job with that. Um, and I, I think what's happened is we've gotten better and better with our guards get, getting over and pick and roll. And we'll, uh, hopefully, we'll continue to do that so that we're not getting screened as much. Um, and what ends up happening then is the. You know, people are going. We're, we're making them continue and try to. We're making them attack the rim at times when maybe they don't have as big of an advantage. Um, so, um, you know, bo- both both Rudy and, and our guys on the ball, um, you know, and I think you'd have to tell me, but I think our defensive rebounding is has been solid too. So hopefully, we're, we're cleaning up some of those misses on the glass where they're not able to get putbacks. The last thing. I would say is that our transition defense is pretty good, where we're not giving up layups in transition.
0: You're, you're, you're giving, you're taking more, more, my more. other, yeah.
1: More. We're not turning the ball over as much, which also leads to easy baskets at the rim, and uh, you know we've got to continue to be solid in that respect.
0: Oh, this one's really interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't put those two together. Okay, you, you've you've touched on some of my other ones, mm-hmm. but my next one was you are the t- lead the league in allowing the fewest corner threes.
1: Right. So
0: what have you done to? Deny the corner three. Miami, interestingly enough, by the way, is second in the league yeah. at denying the corner three.
1: Well, I, I think when you look at the confidence that they have in Whiteside and um, the confidence that we have in Rudy, um, Derek was a part of that when he was healthy. Um, that that you know you, you you don't want to help as as uh, you don't you want to help as little as possible. Um, all things considered, off that corner um, because it is a shot um as you know that's a high percentage shot as visit you know with respect to effective field goal percentage so um that that's the idea there I know they're making a little more than we'd like and I think sometimes that's that's a function of some of our guys not having um the habit of contesting um sometimes they close out with their hand down and uh the other time we give them up is I think when people help off the strong side When we we do get beat we we pull in too much and um, that might be the easiest of all those shots because guys are stepping right into it, but still allowing very few of them. This one,
0: they're intermixed. You allow the fewest transition opportunities in the NBA.
1: So you're not going to tell me how many offensive rebounds we don't have. <laughs> <laughs> all of mine are your good ones. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's our, that. That's sometimes you know as we've discussed. That's that's some of the trade-off. And I, I think again, um, it goes some of it's our you know our efficiency with the ball with George and. I think the guys that are handling the ball, our wings as well, are are being um, you know more. I won't say just more productive, but um, safer. And um, you know, and then it's an emphasis for us is you know we we we're going to forego some offensive rebounds in order to get back and not give up layups, and we're just playing percentages there. Um, you know, I'd like to see our four men. Rudy's pretty consistent on the glass, and there's times that. If, you know, if Boris or, or Trey or whoever it is at that four can crash, I think we've seen that more recently with Trey where he's got some putbacks because Rudy does, um, you know, require bodies um, because of his length and the fact that he's down there. So there's rebounds, some more rebounds, I think, to be had.
0: Well, as we reach game 20, I thought we'd just take a big picture look, and frankly, you don't have anybody who's playing for you tonight, so I thought we'd do that instead. <laughs> yeah, so that's like that's the end of the program. That That's the end. Hope you liked that. Uh, hope you're good. Thanks very much for tuning in. If you'd like to advertise on Locked on Jazz, you can email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. Our audience is 98% male. Podcast audience is 56% more likely to interact with sponsors. And you can email me at dlock09 at gmail.com to do that. That has been Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.